G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I purposely got all the gangs together. I said, we're going to meet the Prime Minister and Judges Minister, Police Minister, all of these people, and tell them what's happening with you. Uh, that was the first time in the history of Papua New Guinea. Gangs facing the Prime Minister and the Police Commissioners and all these big people. This is the purpose of reconciliation and also changing the heart and the mind and the soul and the spirit. And that's what happened. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Charles Lapa was born as the son of a chief in the southern highlands of Papua New Guinea. When the first missionaries and colonisers arrived in his valley, Charles watched his father lead their tribe through a time of change. Charles himself has gone on to live a life filled with chiefs, gangs and prime ministers, along with a huge impact for the Lord. We'll hear his incredible story today and about the book written about his life called Searching for Paradise. Charles is having a chat with Eric Scadabo. Charles Lapa, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Glad to have you with us. And you're joining us from Brisbane today, is that right? Yes, I'm in Brisbane. So you're temporarily visiting Australia at the moment. Yes. And uh, you have had a very fulfilling life filled with, as we just heard, Chiefs, gangs, and prime ministers. We're going to get to all that, but let's go right back to where it all started. You were born in 1952 in Papua New Guinea. Is that right? Yes. And tell us, what was it like? What was home life like growing up in the highlands? Yes, uh, I grew up up in the highlands. Uh, that we are the last people to be visited by the missionaries mm-hmm. in the year uh, 16th of September, 1960. Now, I understand before that, your father had an encounter with God even before the missionaries arrived. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Before the missionaries uh, came, we were living a life of uh, our bush life, mm-hmm. bush materials. Everything is bush things and our culture, our way of life. And the uh, mountain is a very important place for us where my dad could go up every year to speak to God's above. And we believe in there is a God beyond the cloud. That is very important for us, for having a mountain. And so while I was a childhood, my father was one of the great ships, of course, as you said. And uh, when I was uh, three and four years old at that time, my father encountered with the source of, uh, uh, it could be God, could be angelic being uh, called three times. And uh, that's where my dad answer that voice that came from the sky and calling my name Tik Yai. And the Tik Yai means uh, calling my name Charles or Nombo, uh, which is uh, my village name. And my cousin and my father uh, who answered that call. My cousin spoke uh, his own language, which is my mother's tongue. Mm-hmm. And my father spoke in his own language and they replied and said 
you speak and three times and on the third time he called my name and when they said you speak and he didn't speak and he, he went away and then my dad have to leave by five o'clock in the morning to come and see us see us because we were about some 10 20 miles away from the mountain and come back and find out that we were still alive or i was still alive and uh, we realized that god has called me from that mountain that's what my father said so the voice he heard mentioned your name in particular yeah three times yeah oh wow and this was before he knew anything about Jesus or Christianity. That's right. That's right. But uh, uh, Eric, mind you that uh, my village, my tribe, they already know there is uh, God beyond the cloud. Mm-hmm. Already know. My grandfathers and fathers, they know there is God above all other gods. They are devo- small gods are the demons and devils and you know all these earthly gods. But there is a God above the cloud. And they always believed that, my tribe. Oh, okay. So in a sense, you could say that your tribe was kind of prepared for hearing about Jesus and the God above yes. the clouds. Yes. In a sense. Yes. yes. Okay, so you were three years old. Your father has this spiritual experience, hearing your name yes. three times. Yeah. What happened yes. next? And then he came. He came early morning, about five o'clock. And to see that I'm still alive, or my family are still alive, and then why why would he think that you weren't alive? Uh, because uh, if any of our name is called in mountain, that is a special, and you your name will never be mentioned there. Only that uh, the God above the sky will call and speak, and that's why he had to come back to oh, okay. that physically that I'm there. Mm-hmm. So he saw that you indeed are alive. Yes. And so he knew there was something special destined for your life. He, yes. Well, he never tell us. He never tell us until when the, when the white men came, missionaries came, and then I went to school. And when God started to use me, that's when he mentioned oh. uh, with my cousin, both of them spoke to me. So you learned about this years and years later. That's right. That's okay. right. So let's talk about uh, the first missionaries coming to your village. What impact did they yes. have? Well, it's very important that uh, because we've never seen a white man come in. And uh, so first time white men came to our village was the missionaries, mm-hmm. especially my area. Mm-hmm. And so the Lutheran missionaries came first, mm-hmm. and then the Catholics came, and then the Evangelical Bible Mission came. That's in the 60s, 16th of September, 1960. Okay. And what impact did they have on your village? Well, the impact is that uh, the tribal leaders have to not join which, which people to be the, uh, their spiritual leaders. Uh, my father chose Catholic, and the other tribe joined the Lutheran, and the other tribes joined the uh, Evangelical Bible Mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but uh, it's interesting because uh, that's a part of the tribal pride that you have to get one, and that tribe have to get one missionary, and not a tribe must get the other missionary. Oh, okay. So they they were proud to get uh, the missionary that they got. Yes, and then of course uh, they know that the, the children will join them. 
like my father said to me, now you're going to join these missionaries. And uh, then he said, you can become uh, like them. Uh, they are the Catholic priests. So you join them as a priest. So oh, that's the purpose. So you were originally, yeah. your father thought you were going to be a Catholic priest. Yeah, yeah, because my father wanted me to be a priest, yes. Oh, okay. Because we are not following the white men. Mm -hmm. Then whatever, you know, push people are there, then you have to be like them. And so what did you do? Well, now, the Catholics say that we, they, they start the church. And so my father is the tribal leader mm -hmm. who also got that church into our village. Mm -hmm. And then we have a church there. And then the Lutherans got, the other tribe got Lutheran. Mm -hmm. And the other tribe got the other missionaries. And then they, they start the, uh, uh, the catechist or like training place teach us uh, the Catholics teachings. Uh, and then they start the school. So we went to Catholic school and then the Lutherans went to Lutheran school and then uh, evangelicals went to evangelical school. So you were going to school. Were you some of the first people in your area to learn how to read and write? Exactly, Eric. Mm -hmm. We are the first group who went to school. Wow, that's pretty special. Yeah, that's right. So you can see, <laughs> interesting because uh, the the ladies who taught us and some from uh, central province or Papun side came and taught us the way of God and followed the Bible and stories of Jesus and and that's how we began. So you not only got a basic education, but also a basic understanding of spiritual things like who God is and who Jesus is and, and all of that. I, actually, actually, our place, our place is the first missionaries came. Government didn't come yet. Mm -hmm. So we were already evangelized and uh, we were taught. And then we also removed all the demonic worship. Oh, okay. So that's a very yeah. practical impact on your village, no longer having the yes. demonic worship. That's right. And what impact did that have on the life of your village? Well, that, that's why our village and our area, uh, in, in, if, you, if you come around Papua New Guinea, Janet went and visited us. And all of, all of our uh, Janet, are, I should say, is a mutual friend that you and I have. Yes, yes. Janet well, Dixon? She came, she came in because our area is a Christian area. So uh, still today, there is a peace and uh, we enjoy the Christian life there. And our village people are always go to church. And my mother and father. So they must be very, very grateful that the missionaries chose to come to your area. Yes. Yes. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Pastor Charles Lapa from Papua New Guinea. We'll hear more of Charles' story and about the incredible impact he's had when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is Pastor Charles Lapa from Papua New Guinea. Before the break, we heard about the impact the first missionaries had on his village back in the 1960s. Now we'll hear what happened next in Charles's life as he continues his chat with Eric Scadabo. 
So you're learning how to read and write. What comes next in your life? Well, first we have to learn the pidgin school. Pidgin is our common language that we speak in Papua New Guinea. Uh, is it pidgin English? Pidgin English, yeah. Yep. And then we learn that in the uh, Catholic school teaches us. Mm-hmm. And then we learn the English. Uh, English was taught by uh, uh, Australians. Uh, they came up as uh, missionaries mm-hmm. and they taught us, yeah. And then eventually you went to Port Moresby to work? Yes, we we completed the primary school in Pangia, Southern Islands, mm-hmm. and then we came to uh, Port Mosby. Uh, and then Port Mosby, and we did the high school, where the Catholic schools, and then uh, then we I, I finished the school, and I went and started to got a job in Port Mosby. Okay. So I work as a public servant with the Australian government. And then you came to know Jesus personally at an evangelism campaign? Yeah, yeah, I went over to uh, another town called Rabal, Rabal, and uh, people come and uh, preach. The evangelist from America, T.L. Osborne, uh, mm-hmm. when he preached, and then I was listening, and he did some miracles and signs and wonders. And uh, first I thought uh, this man is tricking us because uh, they want to trick us. Hmm. But then later I realized it is true because crippled people walk in and uh, paralyzed men walk and all of that. So, mm-hmm. uh, And then the Bible verse says in Hebrew chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then when I saw the healings, and I believe it. Mm-hmm. And the next day I came back again and I listened and I accept Jesus also. And I become a Christian. Okay, so what happened to your life after that? How did that impact your life? I, I I was I was still working, but in the afternoon I'll be doing outreach and preaching, and then I spoke to all the you know people that never been saved, and then I was promoted and come to Port Mosby, and I work among the gangs because they were the uh, at at that time so many gang leaders and gang members, and Port Mosby was very bad. Yeah, tell us about, uh, I think they're called rascals. Tell us about the gang yeah. members and what they're like in the Port Moresby area. Port Moresby, you have more than, you know, about three, 4,000 re- gangs. Wow. In every suburb. Every mm-hmm. suburb has its own leaders. Yeah. W- weren't and, you afraid uh, to be among the gangs? No, since I accept Jesus, I was not afraid. Hmm. I have to go and tell them about Jesus. And there was a fire of God on me. Mm-hmm. And something, ha- you know, happened to my life. And um, even um, <laughs> even the gangs trying to attack me, but they couldn't attack me and they can't see my face. Hmm. Uh, and, and that's why the most worst place was Morata in Port Mosby, where mm-hmm. most murderers and most gang leaders live there. And then I can feel in the word of God saying that you must leave and go to Morata. And that's where I set up. Mm-hmm. And we set up a halfway house and we set up a girl's dormitory and boy's dormitory. And then we bring the rascals and the gangs uh, who are helping rascals. And that's where the change was happening. Yeah, but uh, I see here in my notes, at one point you were actually shot. Is that right? Yes. While I was looking after them, there are different gang groups. Mm -hmm. So not a gang group thought that uh, I'm helping the other gang and we are not helping them. Oh. And that's why the other gang group came and sold me. Oh, wow. So, I mean, and they, were you injured seriously? How did you recover? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had two times they shot me point blank. Wow. First first bullet 
came and hit me, but didn't, bullet didn't go inside. The second bullet went through it, and then it went the other side at the back of me, and it was sitting there. And then uh, the former prime minister and others, they sent me to Brisbane, Australia, and they did an operation and everything, and I, I was better, and I went back. Okay, so you recovered. So that was your main focus at that time, to try to reach yes. former gang members, and you had a halfway house, yes. so people who wanted to get out of gangs could come. Is that what the purpose yes. of the halfway house was? Yes, that was a purpose for uh, girls and boys. Uh, the girls have different dormitory and boys have, and we look after them for last uh, some many years now. And we should say somewhere in this time of your life, you met your wife Lucille. Is that right? <laughs> yes, yes. I was also invited to go and preach in a town, northern province, you know, Kokoda and northern province. That's where mm -hmm. she come from. And uh, I went and preached at Easter Convention. And then uh, that's where I met her. And then I, I actually, you know, prayed and fasted for our woman for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And when I went and preached around and come back, the, my wife rang me. And then uh, she said, oh, I just want to be friend with you. And, uh, but uh, I said, no, I don't want to be a friend. I'd like huh? to marry you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Had you just met her? How long because, did you know um, her? Because I fasted and I prayed for 30 days. And I went and I did crusade. And I fasted for a good woman. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's, that's when the woman came and rang me. Because I said to the Lord, Lord, only women would call me. I don't want to call a woman anymore. And then she called me, so then I said, uh, you know, she want to be a friend. I said, no, we're going to get married, I told her. And, and what and did she say? Said, she said, that's okay. Oh, she, oh that's she okay. She said, that's okay. <laughs> I, I, I'll, go, I'll go and talk to the, my father. Oh, that's then good. Then her father, yeah, her father told her, told her that, uh, yes, I also talked to him, and I took him down to have a shower, and then he said, uh, when he was walking down, the Holy Spirit said, that boy will marry your daughter. Oh. And in his, he, yeah, she, he told her that that's from the Lord and let the, let him marry you. And that's it. We got married. No oh, okay. boyfriend, no girlfriend. So, yeah. so none of that dating stuff. You just went straight to marriage. No, no, no. We don't. I, I, I said, we can't do that. I don't want dating and I don't want to be a boyfriend, girlfriend. We get married straight away. Now, you knew that Lucille was a strong Christian at the time. Yes, she was a Christian, yeah. Okay, and then you went on to do ministry work with her, so it's a partnership between the two of you. Yes, she was a very strong Christian mm -hmm. and a high school teacher and very strong Christian. So we got married, and then she became a part of, our, part of us to pastor the churches and start the churches and work together and work mm -hmm. among the gangs in the country. Mm -hmm. And you held crusades? I... I had Operation Tannenbell, they call Operation Tannenbell means having a, you know, like a police do the operation. We mm -hmm. did the operation by, by telling all my gang members or former gang members and all my Christians will go around with me like 30, 40. Mm -hmm. And then we'll tell everybody to come and have, you know, come and visit. And then they will see signs and wonders. A lot of gang members got saved through because of miracles and signs and wonders happened. I'm I'm the first uh, evangelist Papua New Guinea that preaching the crusades around the country. Yeah. Oh wow! And you saw many former gang members coming to the Lord. Yes. Yes, hundreds. Okay, and then uh, 
eventually you made contact with political leaders and set up a meeting between yourself, the gangs, and the political leaders. Is that right? Yes. Uh, we had big crusades and get all the gang in the city come to almost uh, 40, 50,000 people. Wow. So these political leaders could see you're having a huge impact there. Yes. Well, they already know that I was always in the media. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, many times, my crusades, many gangs surrender, bring mm -hmm. their guns, and, uh, you know, police will spend a lot of money, but uh, I don't. I just have a crusade, and they all surrender themselves. And then the, their lives are changed, and uh, and they see that there is evidence that mm -hmm. the gangs change their lives. So did you find that a lot of these gang members really wanted to get out of that rough, violent lifestyle? Yeah, well, somebody had to love them. Take care of them, and also, yeah. also somebody. You know, these are the reject or high high school dropouts or mm. grade six dropouts. You know, mm. and that's why they are frustrated and uh, kids that uh, can't make it. And for that reason, they will become gang members and gang leaders. Yeah. So you were showing them there is another way. There's hope. You can get out of that violent lifestyle. Yes, yes. I was reading a book where one of the movies that I saw was a Cross and Switchblade. Yes, yes, I'm familiar with that. Yes. Uh, it's a movie about a gang member in New York City, if I remember correctly. Yes, yes. That movie really helped me. Pat Boone was in the movie. Yes. Pat Boone <laughs> and Eric Estrada, if I remember right. That's right, yeah. I saw that movie everywhere, all over the, Pat Boone and Guinea, all over the city. Uh -huh. And many, many gangs come forward and receive Jesus. Because wow. of that movie and what happened, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so you're having a huge impact. And that movie was made in the 70s, but it basically showed, I mean, gang members are more or less gang members anywhere in the world. They're all fighting each other and over areas yes. and turf and all that kind of stuff. And, and they found out that there was hope. There was a different way you can get out of uh, you know drugs and all that violent lifestyle. That's right. And so you were That's doing right. more or less the same thing, but in Papua New Guinea. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also went to U.S., and uh, see that what they were doing here, and and, and it's uh, very interesting because uh, I saw the people were safe, and then they also set up a halfway house. And when I come back, and I set up a halfway house also for the boys, and also I went down to Australia. There is a setup there also, and a halfway house. And so I thought been nice to help them through the yeah. halfway house. Yeah, I believe uh, the name of the gang member was Nikki Cruz. Do I have that right? Nikki Cruz. Nikki Cruz, yes. Nikki and Cruz. I, I uh, met him in uh, my home city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where he was doing a play of his life story. So it wasn't the movie. It was like Bye. more or less the same story, but it was a play of his life story and going around in neighborhoods in the inner city and inviting people to yeah. come to the, to the play. And of course, there yeah. was a, an invitation to accept Christ as Savior at the end of the play. So interesting yeah, that this Nikki Cruz has had a huge impact New York City, it my is. home city, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and also in Papua New Guinea. That's fantastic. Uh, yes. That movie has made a lot of impact. Uh, David Wilkinson was... Uh, ah, yes. yes. Uh, Pat Boone played David Wilkinson, the, uh, okay. the pastor, the preacher, who uh, took a huge gamble and uh, went to minister to the gang members in the heart of New York yeah. City. Okay, so how did you come to set up a meeting between prime ministers and other politicians and gang members? Well, because the, the big impact in Papua New Guinea was uh, 
at that back in the 70s 80s and 90s mm-hmm. where more gangs attack gang attack and mm-hmm. also gang breaking ender and nobody could go because everybody got scared and uh, my boys and my track load of boys we will go out to the settlements and speak to them and we create a friendship and tell them that this is not a right way and then what they said to us is that uh, uh, we are drop out what about our children what's going to happen and then they will also join as a gang in their life because we're not educated we don't got a job and for that reason we are creating our server business which is a rascal activity and uh, i said to him, no there is a better way uh, i i said we're going to put up a halfway house for you to come and stay and we will train you and also educate you and get the correspondent courses and then i put you through again school and uh in that way you can go back and get a job and get a proper job and proper work but the first thing first i said you have to receive jesus christ as a lord and savior first that's why we we set up a jesus center halfway house mm-hmm. And when they come, they know that Jesus, this is a Jesus sender. And they will always talk about it and worship Jesus and read the Bible. And and if you don't want, I said, you are welcome to go back. But if you want to change, you stay here. And that's when the impact happened, when boys were changed. Wow. And then that's when the government began to see big change and the gangs got saved. Some of them are not politicians now. Some are businessmen. Mm-hmm. Some of my boys. Hmm. But there was one particular time when the prime minister met thousands of gang members face to face. Is that right? There's about 4,000. 4,000 of leaders, gang leaders were mm-hmm. met. And I purposely got all the gangs together. I said, we're going to meet the prime minister mm-hmm. and judges minister, police minister, all of these people, and tell them what's happening with you. Uh, that was the first time in the history of Papua New Guinea gangs facing the prime minister and the police commissioners and all these big people. And I told them that don't touch them and things. This is the purpose of reconciliation and also changing the heart and the mind and the soul and the spirit. And that's what happened when the prime minister meet with the gang leaders. And uh, also prime minister give them the, some kind of a work and you know give them a street cleaning or whatever little contracts. Oh, so he tried to get some work for them. Yes. And that's when the change took place. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Okay, that was part one of Eric Scatterbo's chat with Pastor Charles Lapa from Papua New Guinea, who's sharing his incredible life journey. We invite you to join us again next time for more of his story. Meanwhile, to learn more about Charles, you can check out the book written about his life. It's called Searching for Paradise, a story of chiefs, gangs, prime ministers, and the God beyond the clouds. The website is searchingforparadise.org. Once again, that's searchingforparadise.org. Well, until next time, when we'll hear more of Charles Lapper's fascinating story, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. There must be a unity poll at Parliament. Uh, Unity poll is also for our Bible, that the Bible, that 200 years old Bible, uh, King James Version, will come and we'll put it in the Parliament building, inside the chamber. And... uh, that's what we did. And so I had a privilege of a uh, uh, part of the team to take the Bible into the parliament chamber and leave it there. It became official. 
Once again, Pastor Charles Lapa from Papua New Guinea joins us to share more of his incredible life journey and about the remarkable impact his ministry has had in PNG. That's Pastor Charles Lapa sharing more of his story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.